0: Welcome to a thousand flips podcast with Kevin Link and Dan McDonald. How we did a thousand real estate deals in the last five years.
1: All right, we are on the 1000 Flips podcast and uh, very excited to have uh, a guest today, Jason Shepardak. Head of the Shepherd Homes Group, Uh, incredibly successful real estate agent in the Washington D.C. area, and today we are going to dig into what he has done to uh, get him where he is. And uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show today.
0: Thanks so much, guys. I'm excited to uh, join in and share some value, at least what I've got, and uh, dive in together. Let's
1: do it. Let's jump right in. So, Jason. From what I understand,
0: you didn't start your team all that long ago. Is that correct? Correct. So um, the Shepherd Homes group is almost two years and eight months old. I feel like it's an infant, wow. right? I'm still like in the years and months and description.
1: So not even three years. Correct. And what what kind of production, what did you guys do last year? What are you projected to do this year?
0: Yeah. So I mean it depends on where you look. I think Real Trends had us at two hundred and sixty-six million last year. Um my numbers are a little bit less than that. So thank you, Real Trends. We made it into Real Trends top thousand team in the country. That's a good mistake. Right. I'll take um, that all day long. But um, you know, I would say right now around a quarter of a billion dollars sales team is kind of where we're at.
1: Wow. And you did that in less than three years. So yeah. two two years and What did you say, 10 months ago? Eight months, yeah. Eight months. So what were you doing two years and nine months ago?
0: So two years and nine months ago, I was still a store manager for Target, running the local Potomac Yards Target while running our small real estate team. It was me, a real estate admin, um, a contracts manager, and then one support agent is where it all started. I had scaled my sales business to around a $38 million a year business Um, And just realized that, holy moly, I needed to scale up something to be able to continue to work a a 50-hour-a-week job, which I was really devoted to at the time, and still start this team. And so it came out of a need of necessity, but it also came out of a need of wanting to create something different because I had previously been on many real estate teams. And I just felt like the industry was changing, and it all aligned in that moment where I needed to create something of my own, hence the Shepherd Homes Group. So when did you actually start in real estate? So real estate sales, firmly, I would say about seven years ago. I've always been in real estate in different aspects, flipping, investing. I had a home staging business at one point, but as a full-time real estate agent selling real estate, I would say seven years.
1: Okay. So you started in real estate seven years ago. Yeah. Um, So you had four years under your belt. You're doing business, but you've also got a full-time job during that time. And it was just under three years ago where you said, hey, I'm opening up my own team. And what was um, your production like from your last year while you were um, still working your job uh, to your first year as, as the team leader?
0: Yep. So, around thir- mid 30s, so 32, 36 million in volume, that last year I was kind of a solo agent with that small support structure team. And then the year that we started the Shepherd Homes group, we did 76 million the next year. So, it was immediate mm-hmm. almost double in volume. Um, the year after that, we basically doubled again and were around $165 million in sales that second year. And then again, had about another $100 million increase to about a quarter of a billion um, that last year. And so this year is a mix. I mean, we all know what's going on in the marketplace. We're up year over year, but we'll see where we land. It's hard to say in the market right now.
1: That kind of growth um, three years in a row is Really? I mean, I've never seen it. I've almost never heard of it happening. What do you attribute that to?
0: Oh, man, there's so many things. So I mean, we can get like the generic answer out of the way, which is which is the hard work piece. But I like to use a description of grit, which is a bit different than hard work Like hard work. Everyone works hard right? There's different aspects of hard work. For me, grit comes from my athletic days where it's like, I used to be a competitive ice dancer. If you're like bored of this podcast, just Google me and go to Google <laughs> Images and find the figure skating costumes. But, you know, at, at, at that level of athleticism, like I remember my coaches telling me to do like another run through of an exercise again when I was already exhausted, and I could barely do it. But like, they would ask me to do it 10 more times. And that is like grit, the ability to go beyond what you're able of doing. And um, not gonna lie, it's been a lot of weeks of, you know, working seven days a week up at 6 a.m., going to bed at midnight or 1 a.m. and that kind of grind to build the team that fast. And that's mm-hmm. a big piece of it that I think a lot of people miss. It's not just talent, not just opportunity, it's a lot of hard work. Um, and I would say the second piece is um, staffing up the support staff side of the business and ensuring my personal production was leading the way of the sales team. Um, and then allowing us to ensure we had the resources for me to produce really significantly and then have the resources I need so that everybody onboarding to the team had the same resources to scale. And it was that combination that I think allowed us to grow a lot faster.
1: Um,
0: I wanted to ask... Yeah. Um, I guess
1: both now and over the last couple of years since you've had the team, what um, was your personal production and how much came from the team?
0: Yeah, so I've always led the way in personal production. So last year was a record for me. I sold just over $108 in sales uh, in personal production last year. Um, and this year I'm on track to probably do like 125, 120, 125 million in personal production for the year. Um, and that's a big piece that I see different with us than other sales organizations, where once a team gets to a certain mass, I feel like the team lead is really starting to pull off personal production. Um which I have found leads to less opportunities uh, in that scalability piece, because I'm able to take a lot of our income and revenue from the team and dump it back into growing the business because I have such high personal production. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout growing the team, um, the first couple of years, I was just over 50 percent of team production. Um, the team was really supporting personal production. And it was last year that that started to really change. Um, when the team was able to surpass my production and this year, the team is, is crushing me. <laughs> They're really
1: I'm Yeah. At, I mean, I'm you're still making up. up like you're still making up a huge amount of it, but yeah. yeah, it does seem to be going down a little bit on a percentage basis each year, um, which I'm sure is your goal. You
0: probably want yeah. the
1: team selling more than you.
0: I do. I really enjoy selling real estate and I, I think it's a privilege to be able to sell as much real estate as I do. And, I, and I'm and i really thankful for that. So every time I feel busy, I look at Ryan Sirhunt and, and what he's doing and other leaders. And they always say, like, the number one thing you want when you're busy is to not be busy. The moment you're not busy, the number one thing you want to do is to be busy again. So right now, yeah. I'm happy being busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot
1: of business owners can relate to that sentiment. So yeah, yeah. That, that'll probably keep you in the game for a long time.
0: Hopefully, until I burn out, I guess. We'll yeah. see so you mentioned um the
1: importance of support staff um allowing you to scale your team so what support staff um has been where where to get the highest leverage with support staff what have been like the critical hires that have allowed you to grow
0: yeah so i think that's such a powerful question um, so one thing that I've done strategically, which has been very helpful is have contracts management be third party and not in house. And so we've always had like a third party contracts manager that's paid per file, which has been a, uh, piece of our business, which has not been a variable, right? So these TC companies, we use a very small TC company with just five TCs, but like their ebb and flow of change doesn't affect us, right? We don't have to worry about staffing or anything there. So managing the file and delegating it once it's under contract has been a constant uh, delegation piece for us that's allowed us to leverage without having the ups and downs of staffing. So that's a very important thing that we've done. Um, The second thing, which I feel very blessed on is the very first admin I ever hired who was part-time, you know, is somebody that was able to scale into a much bigger role. So, I always tell people to go super big on their first hire and identify somebody that can be a leader of your organization from day one so that for me is sharon she started as a part-time admin on an hourly position and now is today salaried with a bonus and a you know long-term retirement plan and helps lead the organization um, and that scalability in that first role was essential. And then, as we've grown, we've always hired before the need. So, like for example, this year we knew that we needed marketing coordination. We knew marketing would be harder in twenty twenty three going into twenty twenty four, and we knew leads diversification. And now, as a team of twenty one agents, we knew we needed more support. So we hired a leads and marketing director in Q one of this year, which is leading the charge of team growth and productivity in Qs two, three, and four. So those are the two kind of big forecasts hires I would make that have been really helpful. Um, With respect to Sharon, what, yes. what does she do? Well, her role's changed a lot. In fact, her role's probably changed a lot over the past six months because we've grown uh, a lot in the past six months. Um, today, she leads our P&L, profitability, operations, uh, human resources, payroll, full QuickBooks P&L, uh, and strategic decisions of growth management, and then she leads uh you know the overview o- overview of our entire company growth and she mm. shares jobs today uh, and then below her we've got a big support staff operations uh support listing coordinator runner, leads and marketing director i s a uh and then a lot of support virtual staff and all those roles for redundancy plus our contracts team it's so good take.
1: almost sounds like she uh is sort of like a chief operating officer.
0: I'm gonna change her title there eventually. <laughs> okay. And so we're layering on some leadership team um, right now, and definitely she will be the CEO of our company eventually. But I'm not gonna give her that title yet. We need to grow. Okay. Up Still <laughs> gotta earn it a little more. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then um, with the marketing uh, specialist, marketing manager that you hired this year, how's that been going?
0: Yeah, I think um, a hire that would make later into growth, I think we've grinded through and doing a lot of it on our own, but um, just the scalability of time and leverage was the reason why we needed that hire. Um, previous ISA, um, and it we just realized we had so many inbound lead opportunities that were being missed that needed follow-up, and uh, there was not enough of us left. So we're feeling stretched, and that person now has dramatically made impacts on conversion Um, lead opportunities. Uh, Right now, we're reorganizing our database, which is 7,000 contacts deep. That's getting categorized. We also even have a third-party coach that we've hired uh, for our chief marketing officer integrated into our business for the next four months. Mm -hmm. And together, they're basically revamping a new marketing strategy for team growth and saturation in 2024, which is going to be a different year. I think we're all heading to Mm -hmm. a very different year next year, and we're planning for it now.
1: So you touched on something there that I think, um, all listeners are going to be interested in and that's lead gen. So you mentioned, um, going into this year, you needed to have a really diversified, um, uh, platform for lead generation. Can you talk to me about, um, about your lead generation? Um, where are you getting your leads? How are you, how are you doing so much business?
0: It's a great question. So we always start with the big one, which is SOI. If you're like, oh, you're an SOI based business. And I think the reality is you cannot scale with just SOI. Um, mm-hmm. You know, We're going to do a quarter of a billion and out of the quarter of a billion, 75 million of those sales will be from SOI this year. It's still okay. a massive number when mm-hmm. you think about that. And for me personally, like 34, 38% of my business is fear of influence or referral. Mm-hmm. that's a big piece but it only gets you so far and i believe that real estate's a compound-based business so the more deals you do each year the easier it is to do more deals the following year and it compounds on itself um so with that where our, our leads are bucketed into three categories so one is referral-based leads this is referral partners that we have nationwide referral-based platforms like home um Effective agents, fast expert, all of those portal websites that you pay referral on, it's a huge source for us. We've worked really hard ranking there. Um, and and that's category two. And then category three is paid lead sources, which primarily for us, um, we do the Zillow, we do the realtor.com and we do have good returns on both, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. a lot, there's a lot of hate there, but Mm -hmm. the Zillow is running a 400% ROI for us this year. Wow. Um, but then, uh, we're transitioning to leads that we can control. So there's so many platforms you can pay for, and we do pay for them, but we're really transitioning into what the future is, which I believe is Google. And so right now, um, we're focusing with a third-party marketing agency to work on very targeted and specific campaigns that run a cycle of follow-up ads, initial ad click, and then follow-up ads, almost like Ylopo does. But instead of using a third-party company, we're creating it ourselves so that we have control of our business. Mm -hmm. and I just kind of urge everybody to say the future of real estate is being control of your business, not using other businesses to control yours. And that's what we're focused on in 2024 and 2023.
1: So with your new um, Google uh, efforts, are they working so far?
0: Yes. So everyone knows that Google LSA launched. And like when Google local services actually launched a Google page, everyone jumped in the bagwagon. It's been hard to be. Uh, leader in that space. Uh, we're probably closing six to eight deals a year from Google LSA, so it's immediate good return. Um, but the next phase for us is how people find us online. And so um, I'll layer one more piece on there, which is geographic ownership. And so the other piece that we're doing with our Google is a in the ground geographic leadership, which is signage. So road sign directionals and like in the ground campaign, and then a mailing campaign, which is a farm of about 5,500 homes, and then a layered Google campaign of advertising in those same zip codes. And that's like the trifecta layering. And then we're also leaders on all the major platforms, home light, effective agents, fast expert in those same zips as well. And so our goal is to kind of create this omni-channel coverage of a geographic area that we're known in Uh, and that is where Google can be really effective Um, and it's just starting to work we're starting to get a lot of inbound phone calls now where people are calling us which is amazing and sometimes they find us on Google and then they find my Zillow page and they call me directly from Zillow so and that's where you just can't have one source you need to realize that one source might lead to another platform that might lead to your social page because they saw you on Instagram they call you And that's the piece that people are missing is that you got to be everywhere because one click leads to three clicks, which leads to a phone call. That's what I want everyone to take away.
1: I like that, um, in the ground, uh, idea that you brought up. So I, uh, I grew up in Burke, Virginia, and there's a, there is a group in Burke that they're a really big real estate team. Everywhere you go all over Burke and Springfield, you see their signs like on every road, on every corner. And uh, I have to believe that's making an impact on their business. And when we started in real estate, we were mostly working in D.C. We had this idea, well, you got to have lots of signs. But then when we got to D.C., it seemed like you couldn't put signs anywhere. So we sort of lost that whole idea. I haven't thought about it in years until you just mentioned it. Are you able, is this something
0: that you're doing in the suburbs or are you also finding ways to do this in the city? Not easy in the city. I mean, I just don't think it's a viable thing in the city. Um, You know, DC real estate, which is about 20% of gross sales for us is is a very different marketing strategy in DC. Um, And so it it is a Virginia based campaign and we're targeting uh, a million dollar price point, move up price point. Um, in neighborhoods that run major county parkways. So we get huge traffic down county parkways for visibility. And then the neighborhoods we're targeting are the people selling and moving up to a 1. 1.5, 1. 1.8 range. So for us, if we sell one home and help them buy a one, $1. $1.8 million home, that pays for our entire marketing strategy for the entire fiscal year in that one campaign. Um, so when you think about ROI, we forget that you know it's a scary risk to start spending seven, eight, nine, ten thousand $10,000 a month on a campaign. But it's not too hard if you only have to sell two houses to pay for it.
1: Yeah, I, I love this. I love this strategy. So I'll ask you just a couple more specifics about it. So um, do, you have to, do you have to get a permit to put signs up?
0: So it took us a very long time to hire an individual who knew all of the county's signage rules and regulations. Um, we've been... You get fines and citations uh, if you don't do it right. So um, you have to know all of the rules and regulations uh, very well. And is it like
1: are... you have to? You can only put them out at a certain time, and then you got to take them yes. back out at a certain time.
0: Yes, and you okay. can only have them. There's like a setback rule. If there's a stop sign or intersection, you need to know all of those rules and regulations. Uh, and now, if you go through those neighborhoods where you were previously, I know the team that you're talking about, and our sign is beside theirs in every single location. There so. you go. Okay, <laughs> you saw it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sign Wars. Next YouTube channel uh, movie. Coming yeah. Sign Wars. I like it. So do you, do this? the
1: expert that you hired, is he also um, putting them out there for you? Yes.
0: So he's full-time, compensated uh, well. Um, we'd love to see him grow in our role. Um, and it is a full-time job, right? So, you know, we're carrying anywhere between 25 to 40 listings at any given time. And so if you're doing 15 to 20 roadside directionals, a listing, boom. I mean, that's a full-time job right there because he also does other other uh, work for us as well, block boxes, signs, riders, all of that stuff. So it's a full-time job.
1: So that's probably your primary cost in running um, that marketing campaign. Is that right? Outside, you had to initially purchase the signs. Um, yeah,
0: and like... People steal signs. They take them okay. down. Our competitors are taking down our signs for sure, right? It's pretty obvious uh, who's taking them down. If we, you know, go down Fairfax County Parkway and there's one realtor's signs that are up and ours are gone, guess who took them, right? Um, and so that's a battle that we're fighting now, and it is a big expense. But for those, uh, our, of our competitors who are listening to us, we're extremely well funded, and our signs. <laughs> are back. Um, so uh, you know, that's not stopping now. the Shepherd Homes Group. No. Not at all. Uh, we're too gritty and resilient. Um, but I, I think what people miss is that it's just not one thing that will work. And I think that the trick here for us as we're implementing this will be the multifaceted aspect of finding us online, seeing us in the ground, and then getting us in your door and mail. And those three pieces will be a game changer, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, how about
1: recruit? Are you constantly recruiting? Or, or do you have a, are you sort of stable now? And this is what you want to do?
0: The answer is yes, it's just how. So we don't like to use the word recruit. I don't think, the the odd part about our growth is we are not like calling people and actively soliciting people to join the team. Um, It's never been that way. Um, you know, we are part of Samsung Properties and our name has really gotten out there as the number one team at the brokerage. And so we just had a natural cadence of people reach out for the right reasons after they watch like our mission statement video and see what we're trying to do and then reach out. Um, and some of our most successful agents that are selling over 20 million a year started with us selling 3 million a year. Uh, we've helped them grow their business. And so The kind of piece of people joining the team for the right purpose has been meaningful for us for both retention and also natural growth. And I think we're at a phase now where 21 agents, our goal is to get to a team of around 30 to 35 agents long term. Um, but we're looking at different talent. We're looking for people selling 7 million or more, um, that want to grow their business. It's very easy to double your business once you're hitting 7 million. Um, and once we do that, I think we'll be able to amass a team that can sell around 400 homes a year without me selling real estate. And at that point we'll have a lot of market saturation markets we're looking for.
1: So for a new, so an agent calls you up or emails you says, I'm brand new. I've been following you. I want to work for you. I'm, I'm gritty. Um can I get started? And you, you meet them, you like them, you give them a shot. Yeah. So what is their, um, what does it, what does it look like as a new agent on your team? Are they getting leads from the team? Do they have to work their SOI for a little while and prove themselves? What's, yeah. what's that like?
0: So we have a tier structure. You sell more, you get more, your splits better. So our splits get as great as 80, 20 for a high producing agent on personal production. And I always joke that like you, for those of you listening, if you're a McInerney or um, Compass, right? You're like a 15% split. Uh, you can join us at 20% with the full concierge support staff. All your listing expenses are covered by us. Uh, you get admin support coaching. I charge $1,500 an hour for coaching, get my coaching for free. It's not a bad deal. That's compelling. I might you know, sign up. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're if you're producing more than 12 and a half million, you're on an 80-20 personal split at SHG. It's the, I think it's the leading best option in the marketplace uh, today. Um, But with that said, for brand new agents, it's still a great deal because when they join us, we give them um, a bucket of leads. So we give them up to 100 lead opportunities and their goal is to convert one in the first 90 days. Very high success rate there. And then we have a four-week onboarding and training program. Two of the trainings are with me and we basically show them a perfect guide to do two homes in their first 90 days. Uh, We've had about a 75. 72% 72% success rate with new agents selling two homes in their first 90 days at SHG, which is crazy. And then That's there, once they do it, they believe it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, once mm-hmm. they believe they can sell a home and their activities that they're doing work, they're off to the races. And we've had some agents sell 7 million, 8 million in their first year at SHG.
1: Your confidence grows once you know you can do it, like you said, no. you start doing it.
0: Yeah. I remember my first house showing, Dan, I showed up to the house two hours. It was a combo lock box, not even central lock. <laughs> I showed up showing time. I didn't have the app. I had no guidance. It took me an hour to download the app in the home and to figure out how to lo- open up the lock box. Real estate sucks until you've done something the first time. So if you have a team, teammate- I, I
1: can picture the stress you were under at oh. that time. I've been there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, so brutal. That's a yeah. scary time. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, okay. So, um, Wow. This is this is such an interesting interview. So um, what do you see? You mentioned that you think 24 is going to be a different market. What do you yep. see um, coming?
0: Well, we all know that sales are down like crazy, right? If you look at the num- number of home sales, 32 to 41% decreases year over year in the number of home sales. Let's talk about a shift. But I always believe that that metric's like like the beginning, right? It's a laggard metric for the real change that's coming the next fiscal year. Um, I recently got a meet with United Wholesale Mortgage at their headquarters in Detroit. I was invited to, to meet with them. Uh, and, and I think the whole market's looking at rates softening, let's say five and a half, maybe by the end of next year will be my projection. Maybe you quote me on that here on July 4th of 2023, Jason's <laughs> projection, right? Yeah. Um, So I think two aspects are going to happen. If rates soften that much, you're going to get a bit of a refi boom. And if that refi boom happens, you're actually going to have a reduction in future inventory again. And so I want to remind everyone if rates drop, more people are going to refi and more people are going to choose not to sell in the future. And so I think we're going to see a continuance of restricted inventory and it tighten further through 2024, which means that people. And I guess accompanied with that, even higher prices absolutely. Yeah. So if anyone thinks prices are softening, I, I think that you're joking yourself. Um, and we're not talking nationwide. Like I joke, like I'm only quoting stuff in Maryland, D.C., Virginia. Right. That's the only data that I know. It's well. Yeah. Nationwide, huge changes left and right. But in the DMV, there's so many people who own a lot of real estate, have a lot of money and they don't know what to do with it. That's the opposite spectrum than a lot of America right now. Um, and so we'll see a tightening of inventory, less inventory available, more buying power as rates drop, and prices increasing as we go into 2024. However, the need of what people are going to want is going to really change. I think condos would be very soft. I think anything in the condo rental market is going to be very soft because there's a saturation of new construction inventory for rental buildings as these larger companies look at real estate for returns. Um, and so I think there's going to be a surge in townhome and single family need. I also think there's going to be a push back in the sit in the office. I'm here at my office complex. Parking lots full every day. I cannot find parking. And I think the resurgence of back to the office is going to hit harder in 2024 as business gets harder. And as a result of that, anything that's close to an urban market is going to be much more expensive. That's my forecast.
1: So based on that forecast, um, what are you doing differently or what are you planning to do uh, in order to capitalize?
0: Yeah. So I think the target market that we're retargeting for our geographic farm, that kind of aspect that you mentioned is the geographic location we're forecasting as a huge need in 2024. So we're kind of leaning into what we be a shifting market focus so that we can get the listings and also the move up buyers. And we're focusing on a price point that is more resilient to market change, which is over 900,000 in the DMV. These are people making more than a quarter of a million dollars per year in personal household income, people that have equity in their homes and market shift doesn't impact them. In fact, they have more opportunity and time of market shift than anything else. So that's one big focus we're doing. A second big focus we're doing is we started the Virginia Property Management Group in 2022, leading into 2023. So we have an amazing PM company now. Um, we already have a lot of doors under management. We're actively looking to buy other PM companies. Our goal mm. is to create a three to 400 door PM company by the end of 2024 to lean into the fact that people are going to want to rent their homes instead of themselves.
1: Wow. I had no idea that you were doing this. So I uh, guess a lot of here, a lot here's an opportunity to, get... to to plug Virginia Property Management
0: Company. So yes.
1: what's it like to work with you guys?
0: Yeah. So I think the difference is we have licensed realtors managing all properties instead of having like a salaried person managing the property. We've got state-of-the-art software. We use a great online uh, tenant portal. Um, you can check us out, Virginia com. And um, on there, it's just a one-stop shop for everything. And then all of our contractors and resources that we use to list properties, we're using to rent properties. So higher Mm -hmm. quality rental product, Great flat fee pricing, which is market leading, especially in the luxury high-end market, flat fee pricing. And Can you about, tell us what the pricing is? Yeah. So it's flat fee. Our goal plan, which is comprehensive, uh, it covers absolutely everything you would ever want for a PM only $250 a month. Uh, then we've got silver at $200 a month and bronze at $150 a month, leading the delay in almost every price point in regards to what the management fee is. And then we've got the economies of scale of having a full staff already in place to manage our listings that manage your rentals. You cannot beat it. Yeah, and that's then,
1: that's smart. It seems like sort of an easy addition to make to the business. It's
0: so easy, and it's been easy to staff up. And so I think there's an opportunity to do PM so much better than what PM has done uh, in the industry. And so our goal is to kind of create uh, a new market shift and, and take on that market as well.
1: So I want to ask you a question um, if you don't feel comfortable answering understand but <laughs> i i have um encountered property management um situations in the past where uh the homeowner um was required through their contract to list the home with the property manager mm-hmm. um and so it sort of became off limits because they it was almost like they effectively signed a listing agreement by signing this
0: property management agreement yep
1: is that how your agreements work? Have you gotten Absolutely. listings as a result?
0: Absolutely of it? Okay. not. So it's so funny. Like one of my scripts is I've never been fired before. So why would I have an agreement with the termination clause? I, every single listing I've signed, every single buyer I've signed, there's no termination fee unless we are carrying a renovation cost on the project, right? Where we use our concierge program. We'll do any renovation up to $100,000 to be paid at closing. Wow. Those have a termination clause because I've got a lot of money sp- on the line. Exactly. So of course, there's going to be some recourse if we don't sell the property. We need to be repaid for that. But otherwise, there's not. And It's the same thing with all of our PM. We're here to build amazing relationships, build trust and a friendship that's long lasting. And if we do a great job, which we're convinced we will, why would you not list with us?
1: I, th- I, I like that approach. I think uh, I was just thinking that, you know, if you do yep. a good job, they know you're a real estate agent probably going to list with you, you probably don't need that clause in the PM contract that requires them to list with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think in the end, if you don't want to list with us, it's probably for a good reason. That's probably best for all parties. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. So you mentioned um, spending sometimes a hundred grand on people's Ooh. houses to get them ready. Don't remind me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: you must be doing some serious due diligence first before uh, before outlaying that kind of cash. So can you tell me about that? Are you doing a title search? Are you putting a lien on the house? What What are you doing to protect yourself?
0: Yeah. So I think um, it's a very simple process. Um, three steps. One, we look at equity. And so we we shoot for five times equity of renovation value. So if you are doing hundred and twenty five thousand, uh, or if you're doing a twenty five thousand renovation, we're looking for hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in equity in the property. So we know we've got an equity reserve with the client that we're servicing. Um, we have a second uh, promissory note that gets signed by uh, the land owner or property owner, along with the listing agreement, which gives us the right for repayment. Um, which is a simple document that's entitled to the listing agreement. And then they have to use our preferred vendors so we can manage the project, right? We can't pay for renovation that they're using their own contractors on. And those are the three basics and super easy, um, almost a million dollars worth of renovated properties uh, since we started Shepherd Concierge the beginning of last year. Um, Almost every single property we touch, we end up updating and we've netted our clients. My gosh, Dan, I should come up with a number. That's the number I should have in my listing. That's what you need. the amount of money make clients and we did record sale in annandale um, almost uh, within the past 12 months listed a home for 850 sold it for 895 one hundred and forty-five thousand over asking used our full shepherd concierge program 38 grand of our own money in that property to prep it for sale netted them an extra netted them basically an extra 110 120 grand
1: so are you putting a deed of trust on the house
0: No, it's a a simple promissory note. It does have a personal guarantee, which is very important. So for anybody lending out money there, if you do a promissory note, you need a personal guarantee in addition to the promissory note. The personal guarantee basically surpasses any any rights that you have and guarantees repayment on any assets that you have. And um, we obviously have a great legal team. Uh, that's free to our clients, but also our legal team uh, notes in there that uh, you know the person we're lending to waives the right to trial and jury and retains our attorney as counsel. So, it, so I- just
1: curious. In a worst case yes. scenario, you renovate their house and then they say, "Hey, thanks, but I'm not selling." And, yep. so, and so you're you're freaking out. You know, yep. you don't know how you're going to get your money. They go and sell the house without telling you. Yep. If nothing's recorded. You've got to you've got to go on this chase forever, right? Or no. or is something recorded so that when the house it's sells- be into
0: listing, so you can't end our listing agreement unless we're repaid in full. So if they're relisted, we just send our listing agreement promise note to the title company, and they're they can't close. There's the lien that can't be removed. The home is unsellable. And what? If, our-
1: but what if they sell it off market?
0: Well, same thing. So there'll be a brokerage issue. Um, so if it's sold off market, we see the record of sale. That's going to go ahead, and we'll put a lien on the property, our attorney will reach out. They've waived the right to trial and jury, which means we're just going to go ahead and do a lawsuit. They don't have any right to trial and jury and they've already admitted fault and there's a personal guarantee and they've already pre-hired my attorney as representation. Mm. So have so, you had any go sideways on you? No, and we don't plan okay. on it. Because yeah. again, the difference is, is like, That's a hypothetical worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. but the worst case scenario is really, like we're on the same page from the beginning. We've built amazing relationships with our clients. There's a need to sell the home. They're thankful for us to do the updates and renovations. The home is usually vacant. They've already moved the caring and debt service. There's a real need to sell that property. Mm -hmm. And so the the risk for us is almost non-existent, right? Um, And that's the reality of what it is. You're
1: basically not gonna take on a project that seems like it could be risky. Correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that makes total sense. Um, yeah, I, you know, if you're taking, if 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 Jason, you yourself are sort of examining the details each time, and, and it checks all the boxes, um, then it's probably a pretty low low risk venture.
0: I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and we even say that like you know, they cancel listing agreement. We have no termination fees except for repayment. So I always joke I can go renovate your whole home because you said you're going to list it and then not sell it and then just repay me for your discounted renovations because I can do a reno for thirty percent less than the client can. So you know maybe one day that'll happen. But you know, in that end, maybe we have a great friend and an updated house and they'll refer us. To hey, and
1: even still, you got paid back. So exactly. yeah, it worked out fine. Exactly. Okay. Um, interesting. So you've got real estate, you've got property management, Yep. you have real estate sales and property management. Yep. I'm sure you've got some other things brewing. What else, yeah. what else are you doing to, so to build this?
0: we're, we're, our goal is to basically control and own and provide a level of service in every aspect of the real estate transaction. That is something that we own, operate and can control. So, um, real estate sales, we own and operate, Right. Property management, we own and operate. Renovations, we own and operate. New construction, we own and operate. We've been doing uh, condo development now in the city for some time. And our partner is in luxury single-family homes here in Northern Virginia. So we can build a house for a client if we need to. Um, So we've got that uh, as well. We have a joint venture title partnership. So we've got Mm -hmm. title. And that includes a lot of additional free attorney services and things like that. And then the last piece and probably the future for us is the mortgage. Uh, And that'll be the next piece. So somebody can come to us and the five big pieces of real estate that someone needs, we can take care of from start to finish. Um, and then, oh, I, so I guess six, which is home design. So we also have a design service for Airbnbs and renovations, where we have some design partners that will be hired flat fee to design, curate, purchase, and uh, put a home together for any Airbnb person or anybody looking at their home design. as a standard service at SHG.
1: Wow! And uh, how many people have? How many people have you helped with
0: design so far? Not a lot because it's expensive, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we have done a good amount of Airbnb setup for people looking to buy Airbnb and just turnkey set it up. Um, this is part of our kind of flat fee purchase structure when they buy an Airbnb product with us.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember last time we talked or one of the last times we talked, you mentioned a project that you were purchasing in Georgetown. Oh. How's that going?
0: Okay uh everyone who wants to renovate a home in dc uh they should talk to you or i first with all of our experience (laughs) it's challenging i've got a great neighbor who is hired an attorney to review every piece of my project so Mm. this is where you need to be diversified everybody so i purchased this amazing deal in georgetown back in october of last year and it'll be until january of 2024 that it'll take to get my plans approved. Over mm. a year. Wow. Um, exactly, but that is one of the best deals I, I've ever purchased. Purchased it below a million. It's a huge project putting about 800K in, but it'll be about a million dollar profit structure on that one deal.
1: And if I remember correctly, you were either doing a really big addition or maybe going up. What, what was everything? The, everything. Okay.
0: We're getting it. We're digging out the basement to make the basement a nine foot ceiling. And then we're adding a fourth floor. We're also building a garage with a ADU dwelling on top with a one bedroom rental. So we can have the basement as rental space and the ADU as rental space and then have a so it's effectively room. a three unit. Technically, yes. But for us, it'll most likely be a nanny downstairs and then a rental in the back to always add some additional income. Almost every property I've bought, I've got an extra way of making money off of it. Uh, (laughs) This is what I do. (laughs) Nice.
1: So yeah, in Georgetown, which for anyone who isn't familiar with the market, it's a historic district. Mm. um, Doing the kind of work that you're talking about uh, very difficult to get approved. So you are confident all of this is, is going to go through?
0: We have right of use. And this is where people need to realize that a lot of success comes from the help that you have. So I've got a great architect. I've got a great attorney. I've got a great GC. And those three people, along with a lot of time and patience, are going to lead us towards getting our right of use items uh, approved. And it would have probably been approved already if we didn't have neighbor opposition. But we're working through that.
1: Okay very common for development any developer who might be listening i'm sure can uh, relate to that um neighbors having opinions is just part of uh part of what comes
0: with it part of what we do but also rebuilding communities and making communities better and helping people identify what we're trying to do and have clear intent i think is a big piece of development absolutely i mean your neighbor's homes are going to be more valuable after you do it so guaranteed so
1: yeah um Jason, this has been um, really, really interesting. I think people have learned a lot. Um, I guess last question for you: um, maybe some, maybe someone entering real estate now. They could be anywhere in the country. Not, not necessarily coming to work for you. Yeah. Um, what do they need to? What do you recommend for their for their ninety day or one hundred and eighty day plan to to not leave this business? to get into this business, to be successful, and, and to be able to stay?
0: Yeah, I think a couple key concepts. So I love Richard Branson's quote, which is to take the job and learn how to do it later. I think in real estate, people get so focused on learning everything before they do something that they never do anything at all. They spent their first 90 days watching every YouTube video, every online class, every mentor, just taking everything. And they haven't done anything. They haven't called one person. They haven't hosted an open house yet. The number one problem with new agents is that they're trying to learn instead of just do. So So uh, that's number one, number one, number two is to change your environment. Real estate is super lonely dark, isolating business when you're by yourself. It's horrible. Um, And so I've never not been on a team is the number one uh, attribute to my success. And so join a team instantly because you're gonna surround yourself with people doing the right activities that you can model and follow and work for for free uh, and be able to learn vastly more quickly. So that'd be number two. And then number three is I would write down really clear goals and model out key actions you're gonna force yourself to do and create a real calendar. Um, I cannot tell you how many real estate agents I coach. And I ask them, well, what are you doing this week? And they're like, it's a hope, wish, and a dream. Nothing's on their calendar. No routines. No one's telling them what to do. There's no accountability. And so map out a calendar. And even if that calendar is like just mentoring or watching people, I don't care what it is. Map out your week so you've got a 40 to 50-hour week scheduled as a real estate agent and hold yourself accountable to it. If you Do those three things. If you don't sell 12 homes in your first year, it's your fault. and No one else's.
1: I, I love that that is such good actionable advice. I think um each one is really important. um I remember we hired uh we hired an agent on our team who um it didn't know a lot um she she was a natural salesperson, very outgoing, very hungry and aggressive. She got a lot of listings very quickly. She told me about what was happening in the listings, and I was pretty frightened because <laughs> um, she she seemed like she sort of started running before, before yep. um, she knew how to walk. But at the same time, I give her a ton of credit because yes. she came in and started making money and started doing deals. And through the deals, she started to learn. And now she's much better at sort of transaction management and, and client management. But um, I think Dan, it's so true.
0: Again, I've done like, I don't know how many home sales I've done, like six, seven, 800 sales or something like that. I am still mind blown that I'm learning. and I don't know what to do sometimes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel the same way. It's like I've done so many complicated deals and then I get like a trust and estate issue. I have a seller that dies mid transaction, and then I have somebody putting a lien on the property out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, know, I need like I know, six attorneys <laughs> to find out what to do. Yeah. So just But that's like, a
1: great point, is you don't have to worry yourself with things you don't know. There's gonna be someone who's gonna be able to help you. You no, gotta go out there and get a client and make a sale.
0: Yeah, go call Dan. He knows. I'll, I'll try, but uh, <laughs>
1: Jason's probably the one to, to call on this podcast. So Jason, if somebody wants to get in touch with you after hearing this, um, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you
0: can just email me, jason at shepherdhomesgroup.com. Don't go to my website. You'll be trapped in a sales funnel and my sales team will call <laughs> you. Email me directly. Find me on Instagram or Facebook. Add me there and message me is the easiest way.
1: Okay, awesome. All right, well, thanks so much, Jason, and uh, we'll talk
0: to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, everybody.